the Emmaus Road, <laughs> Calvary Road. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ethiopian Road. There we go. Uh, back to Ethiopia. Uh, wherever that was. And the, the Desert Road. Uh, we can put it that way. Let's see here. There it is. Oh, that was her. Okay. Whew. All right. Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, chapter 23. Proverbs 23. Psalm, Proverbs. Of course, the book of Proverbs is just that. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, just one little, little, these little sayings, these little. And um, I know a preacher that his first church was full of uh, contention, I guess is a good way to put it, when he, when he first took it. And he said uh, he just pulled out the book of Proverbs, started preaching Proverbs, and it took care of a lot of it. Anyway, dealt with a lot of things. And uh, so uh, Solomon... Uh, the wisest man in, in the Bible wrote the book of Proverbs there, and his wisdom come from the Lord. The Lord tells us in the Word of God that if we ask for wisdom, that he'll give it to us. And, and Solomon didn't, uh, Solomon, that's what Solomon asked for. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for, uh, you know, uh, fame or fortune. He asked for wisdom to, to lead his, uh, God's people. And because he didn't ask for that, God gave him the wisdom plus gave him all that. And the half was not told of the riches and the fame and the wisdom and everything uh, concerning Solomon uh, in his day. And uh, Solomon, uh, one of the things that if you'll read Ecclesiastes, which uh, is the preacher, which is also written by Solomon, one of the things that he, uh, he said often in Ecclesiastes that... Um, Verse like Ecclesiastes 1, 12 and 13. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out my, by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity... <laughs> And vexation of spirit. So Solomon purposed in himself just to look around and to pay attention to the life and to pay attention to the things of life. That's why, you know, he wrote, you know, about the strange woman, which we have alluded to the other night. And, um, you know, the strange woman and, and the way that she is. Of course, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, and we read about her and who can find. And then, of course, we read about that one that followed the strange woman, how simple he was. And Solomon just observing things. Solomon observed the ant. He looked at the ant, seeing how industrious the ant was, and said, you should follow the ant. The ant lays up all summer long just for the wintertime. We should be just as industrious. Work like the ant. 
and the conies and all things through you know throughout the books of Proverbs there, Solomon in all of his days just observed. And as he observed things, he noted things, and he put them in the Proverbs. God allowed him to you know, write these Proverbs, and God allowed it to be canonized in Scripture, how that we too can learn from these things. Proverbs, and a lot of them are warnings. Some of them are instructions. But Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 29 starts off with a series of questions. Who hath woe? Now, when I, there's a couple of different woes in the Bible. There's the pronunciation of woes that comes in form of kind of a judgment. And then there's this woe, and this is a little bit different, and this is meaning more the lamentation. Who has lamentations? Who has woes? Who has sorrows, in other words? Who's sorry about some things that's happening in their lives? Who hath woes? Who hath woe, singular? goes on to say, who has sorrow? Who hath lamentation? Who hath woe? Who has sorrow? Who hath contentions? Contentions, bickering and fighting and warring and all that. Contentions. Who hath babbling? He's talking out your head. Who hath wounds without a cause? In fact, I don't know if I can get my sleeve up. I'm trying to think how what I've been doing, but I, I just happened to look on my arm. There we go. I happened to look on my arm, and I seen this scratch. I'm like... What did I do to get that? Oh, I think I was mowing the other day. I probably got it mowing now. Now I think about it. But I, but I, I seen this. I'm like, where did that scratch come from? How, you, know, you, have, you have these, who hath wounds without a cause? You, you, you kind of come, come to yourself and you say, where did I get that from? Who hath redness of eyes? Well, answer all those questions is in verse number 30. They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. So there's the ones that has all those things. Woe, sorrow, contentions, babbling, wounds without a cause, and redness of eyes. Those that seek after wine. Then this exhortation by Solomon here in, in the Proverbs, he says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Don't even look at it. You can't pour it, you can't drink it without looking at it. And he says, look, just stay away from it. And you won't have the woes, and you won't have the sorrow, and you won't have the contentions, and you won't have these wounds without a cause. Just stay away from it. Don't even look at it. At, la- at the last, at the last. You know, uh, we read the LSD in the Word of God. Lust and sin and in death. At the last, the wages of sin, the Bible tells us, is death. That's the last. At the last, when it's done with you. At the last, it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. 
Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth on, upon the top of, the, of, of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Let's go back up to, well, let's, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day. Lord, I pray that I'll deliver this in love. And Lord, I pray that you would just take the message. Lord, help us to take warning thereby. And Lord, apply it. I pray that you'll apply it to the hearts of men. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. It biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. We know the serpent's bite and the adder's bite, the poisonous snakes. Sometimes it'll kill you, sometimes it won't, but it'll make you deathly sick. You wish you dead. I had a stepfather, my second stepfather had been, hit, uh, bitten, had been bitten by a copperhead once, and he didn't go to the hospital, but uh, he said he was sick. Uh, they Basically, I don't know if they even restricted it, the blood flow or whatever, but he was sick to his stomach and sick for a while with fever and one thing or another until he got out of his system. He was, he, But he knew that he had been bitten by that snake. And the Bible tells us about those that it takes this wine. It's the same, the same thing. And the end. Oh, wait, back up. Verse 23, it makes you do some things. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Sometimes, you know, you're a married man. And you don't have no, you have no, no, no desire to look at another woman because you're a married man. Until you get some wine in you, and then all of a sudden you're looking where you ought not to be looking. And I know, it, and I don't mean to be funny, but people, people of the world know this. People of the world write songs and say, you know, they're all better looking at closing time. You, and, and you wouldn't even be looking until, unless you got this stuff in you. And then not only that, that you, 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 your heart shall utter perverse things. There were things that you would say that you would never say when you were sober. The things that you would do that you never do when you're sober. I work with a person which, you know, they just talk. You, you, they talk and you listen and you get to know people just by the way they talk and what they talk about and what they bring up, what they forgot that they've told you before. And I'm, I'm kind of getting bad about, you know, getting to a story that I'm telling somebody and I'm like, did I not tell you this before? But I don't know. And it, tell me if I've told you this before. I've made these, those kind of statements that I guess my whole office is about that age <laughs> because we're all, I often hear these stories that I've heard before from, from the same people. But, but as they tell their little stories that they kind of revel in, one of them talks about getting up on a pool table and dancing under the influence. But that lets me know what kind of person they had been in their past. And I imagine if that person was sober that they wouldn't have no inclination to do that. But you put a little booze in them and they're going to do some things, they're going to say some things that they wouldn't do unless they were under the influence of that wine, of that, that strong drink. That 
Turn with me just back up a page or two to Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. Bible goes on to say, wine is a mocker. It laughs at you. It mocks at you. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It mocks you. In fact, in fact there was a... In, in the United States, prohibition, they... They voted out liquor for, from 1920 to 1933. I looked it up right. I picked this up in my travels. It cost me a dollar. Called Wine, Women, and Song. This is by Sam Morris, the voice of temperance in San Antonio, Texas, and it's copyrighted 1938. This is five years after... Prohibition ended. And of the years that Prohibition was installed in America, there was a lot of things that didn't happen. I mean, I know that there were still the speakeasies and there were still the bootleggers and there were still the things happening behind the scenes, but as a whole in society, society actually improved. When there wasn't liquor being sold... But then this was written once it had come back, five years after it had come back, five years after Prohibition had ended in the United States. Evangeline Booth, I think she's the, the wife of William Booth, who was the founder of Salvation Army, calls Earth, Earth's greatest scourge. Drink has drained more blood hung more crepe, sold more homes, plunged more people into bankruptcy, armed more villains, slain more children, snapped more wedding rings, defiled more innocents, blinded more eyes, twisted more limbs, dethroned more, um, dethroned more reason, wrecked more manhood, dishonored more womanhood, broken more hearts, blasted more lives, driven more to suicide, and dug more graves than any other poison scourged that ever swept its death-dealing waves across the world. And, and it, it, of course, it gives statistics back in the day of, of what money it brings in and what what it does, these are like poems and just other, other little paragraphs that people have put in. Abraham Lincoln is in here, Thomas Watson, several different quotes and different poems and things along those lines. Why, why children suffer is one of them. Parental responsibility is one of them, the titles. A woman voter wrote, It's not the cage, but the beast that we fear. 
not the saloon, but whiskey and beer. You may drink it in clubs, at a bar, at home, on the street or on a train with friends or alone. It is the liquor that kills, not the saloon. And so, again, this is, you know, just people's testimonies of what they've seen in their lives. I could give you testimony of what I've seen in my life as a boy. Drunken, drunken relatives. Well, I've seen... I've seen I've seen best friends. Was in a car wreck. Let's just tell it. Was in a car wreck, and it was just a narrow bridge and those West Coast mirrors that was on those trucks. Anybody know what those are? Well, our truck had a West Coast mirror on it, and this other truck apparently had something. And the, the, the mirrors just barely touched on this narrow bridge on the country road. But when they, they just barely touched it, broke the mirror, sending part of the mirror into the, the, the passenger door, I mean the driver door glass, which busted it and went all over my mom who was driving. So my stepdad could be drinking. And then all over my three-year-old sister who was asleep on my mom's lap there in the front seat. And my, my da- stepdad at the time, his best friend, me and my brother's in the back of the truck when you could ride in the back of the truck. Again, the only reason we were out in the country driving around was so my stepdad and, my, and his friend could drink because we lived with my grandmother at the time and there was not going to be any cards or liquor at my grandmother's house. She was just not going to let it in. So this was a typical Saturday. Anyway, my stepdad got mad because my mom had a, you know, busted the window of his truck. And then... To calm him down, they almost come to blows, and it comes to the point where, where, where a man, where, where my, my, dad, my stepdad's best friend was holding a pocket knife to my stepdad's throat on the ground just to calm him down because he wanted to beat my mama for, for, you know, for wrecking the truck. So does that happen? Sure it does. And I'm sure I don't, I'm not the only one in this room that has a story like that. My second stepdad, who was, on, who was disabled and was on pain medications, heavy pain medications for his, his disability, he get to drinking and the pain medications and the drinking didn't, mat, didn't mix. And he, turned, he went from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. And I've seen him choke my mama on the living room floor while I held my brother, stepbrothers, and my sister back to keep them from getting harmed. Does this kind of sound familiar? People, I, the store, I could probably go around the room, not going to, probably go around the room and people would have a similar incident that they could tell and some of you have been involved in things like that. Wine is a mocker. It mocks marriage. It mocks, it mocks your job. It mocks everything. It, it, just, it, just, it just destroys these things. And Solomon, again, as he said there in Ecclesiastes, I, I just noted these things. I looked at society and I seen these things happening and I put them in a book. I wrote these things in these Proverbs. 
wine can get into the church. 1 Corinthians. Let me see here. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'll turn there. Well, back up, back up. We'll go, we'll go to the New Testament in a minute. Let's go to the Old Testament. The people of God, if you want to put it this way, have been affected by wine. Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, earlier in Genesis here, we read that in chapter number 6, when God wanted to destroy the world because of the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, Noah, in verse number 8, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But the same Noah who built the ark, got his family on board, all the animals, you know the story. After the ark was, was planted back on dry ground and, and they began to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, Noah planted a vineyard. Verse number 20 of Genesis chapter 9. And Noah began to be an husbandman, and, planted, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and, was, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what the younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord of Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant, and God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So there's been a lot of speculation about Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done, as far as whether he had done something physically and Noah's nakedness or not. It doesn't say that. It just said he simply saw his father's nakedness. And that was a shame because we've read in the laws, Deuteronomy is given that we're not to look upon the nakedness of our fathers or our mothers or our aunts or our uncles or our brothers or our sisters. It's all in the law. This is before the law, obviously. But still yet, he saw his father's nakedness. His father had gotten drunk and passed out somewhere along the wine line took his clothes off. And that might not have been a regular thing, you know, for, for, for Canaan just to, like, knock on Dad's tent and go on in. To see, you know, I mean, it wasn't bedtime yet, maybe. 
You see what I'm saying? So Noah was naked. Noah got drunk. Noah had found grace in the eyes of God. Can somebody that knows God get drunk again? Sure. If I was to go out, buy me a bottle, drink it, you think I'm not immune to drunkenness? My body would still be affected the same way as the, the drunkard. But it caused Noah some grief. It caused Canaan some grief. Canaan was cursed and became a servant to his brothers. Canaan's people became a servant to both his brother's peoples. And I believe that that still holds true today. Genesis chapter 19. We know according to Peter that Lot was a just man. This is a sad story. I really believe it is. Genesis chapter 19, verse 20. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt. This is after Sodom and Gomorrah. He was in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. As they were being delivered, Lot's wife looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. And so it was only left with Lot and his two daughters. They went to the little cities and then they fled from there and went to the cave. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And just to prelude this, worried that the daughters would never find a man and get married and have children, then verse number 31, and the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is old, And there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. And we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. That just, it's hard for me to even fathom. It really is. It's hard for my mind to just take that in. Every time I read this passage of scripture. I'm just going to, a little side note there. Where you raise your children will have an effect on your children. These two daughters were virgins according to previous scripture. But they was raised in Sodom. They seen, if the sights and the sounds of Sodom vexed Lot, the sights and the sounds of Sodom instilled in these girls something. That's where they got the idea. Hey, we just make dad drunk. And we'll lay with him. Let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. This is, this is what wine does. He perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. 
and go thou in and lie with him that we may preserve seed to our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not that she lay down, or when she lay down, or when she arose. Thus were both daughters of Lot with child by their father. Now I wonder how this is going to play. I mean, it doesn't say, but can you imagine? Here's Lot in his cave living with his two daughters. And all of a sudden, the daughters start to show at the same time. And Lot scratching his head going, who have you been with? How did that happen? When did that happen? And then the truth comes out. He didn't, he didn't perceive when they laid down with him. He didn't perceive when they got up again. He didn't know, he didn't remember nothing that went on each of those two nights. And you want to still drink wine. You want to still drink alcohol. You wonder where your red eyes come from. You wonder where your wounds come from. The Bible talks about like being in a ship, laying, laying in a ship in the midst of the sea, and you're all wobbly, but then up on the mast, in our original text, it's even more wobbly up there. This is what this, I mean, obviously he was a just man, but again, he didn't know. That's what wine did. It took all perception away from him. Why do you want to live like that? And the firstborn bare a son, called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she gave, she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon, or Ammon, to, to this day. The Jordanians, Ammon, Jordan. And that's where they come from. Incestual relationship because of wine. And it, creep, it can creep into the church here as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. See, a lot of times people say, well, all oh, them church-going bunch, they think that they're a bunch of goody-two-shoes. No, it can happen. In fact, in the Corinthian church here in the Word of God, in the Bible, our holy book, the Holy Bible, it records things just like we just read. It gives us good things, but records the bad things too. Let's us know how, what kind of sinner, what kind of people we, what kind of beings we are, sin, sinful beings, sinful nature before we're born again, and even after we're born again, it can creep in because in the Corinthian church there was a man that lay with his father's wife, and Paul writing this letter to the Corinthian church says, "Look, you're going to have to put him out." So there's church discipline. When sin creeps into the believers, discipline has to be administered. Likewise here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, no, back up. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to go to 6 in a minute. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 9, I wrote unto you this epistle, that's a letter, that's what we're reading right now, I wrote unto you, in, uh, in, I'm sorry, in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. That's the one that just lay with his father's wife. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. Okay, so don't be, what is it? This is of the world. Not to company with that bunch that's in the world doing those things. Well, well, my mom and my daddy, they're not saved yet. No. No, they're not. And yes, you should, I mean, to have interaction, be in the world but not of the world. You know, if they're not actively participating in some of these, I mean, and, and sometimes it's a social, in, I mean, just a, a familial interaction, but you don't have to go down and be a part of the Saturday night goings-ons. If they pulled out the bottles, say, I'm leaving. If they pulled out the drugs, say, I'm leaving. If they turn on something on the TV that's not conducive to Christians should be looking at, I'm leaving. I mean, in homes. And again, alcohol was a part of their home. My best friend in junior high and high school, we went to the Air Force together. I mean, we were like brothers. Still, and he supposedly got saved the same day I did. I don't think so because of his photographs of his bottles that he posts on social media. You know, basically what his evening is going to, to uh, or his weekend is going to have in it. And then he says something, I remember the day, or I put something positively or something about the God and the things of God. And, and I, one time he wrote on a comment and said something about, I remember the day that we both knelt down. <laughs> I'm not thinking to myself, he didn't get what I got. He's not in church. He, he socially drinks. But I'm not, to, we as a church are not to, not to be amongst, I mean, if they're doing it, look, do what you need to do for them. Try to, try to win them, invite them, try to bring them, but don't. Be amongst it. Don't keep your children amongst it. It'll vex the children. It'll vex you. I was reading again a story. In the late 60s and early 70s, there was a Southern Baptist evangelist who popularity, I was reading an article again this morning, popularity-wise was only second under Billy Graham. Because what he, he said he was going to go do is he's going to go to uh, New Orleans and he was going to go to Bourbon Street and he was going to be the evangelist of Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Going in, not only on the streets, preaching the gospel to those going in and out the nightclubs and things, he was going to go into the nightclubs and preach the gospel. But again... You're around that stuff, it's going to vex you. And because, but then by his testimony, because he's dead now, but by his testimony, I was reading, he wrote a book and he talked about 
how that he was restored in the end, but he had fallen because he had, he had gotten wrapped up into you know, doing what he was doing and then the popularity and sin entered into his life. Again, that vexation of sin. You put yourself amongst it, it's going to vex you just like it did Lot. Just stay away from it. Treat it like that serpent we just read about in our text. Treat it like a poisonous serpent, like that adder. You kill it or you at least run from it. You stay away from it. I appreciate snakes. Like I've said before, maybe. In here, I don't know, I said it recently. I think I said it. You know, I, I, I appreciate good snakes. Is there a good snake? I know it's debatable. Just, you know, I know that there's good snakes like king snakes that'll kill the poison snakes. Um, and so on and so forth. And, and, so, and they kill rodents and they kill rats and so on and so forth. You know, so if there's a black snake that hangs around my garden or hangs around my yard that keeps the mice away, more power to him because my wife don't like mice. <laughs> but just don't, just don't sneak up on me, Mr. Black Snake. That's the ones that I kill because they, they startle me. But if you don't startle me and I happen to see you and I know who you are, know what you are, I'll let you live. You startle me, that's another story. But if I see them, them snakes with the triangular head and them, them slitted eyes and they got the fangs in there, they're dead. I don't know if I would get a long handle hold because I think that's, that handle's not long enough. <laughs> I think I'd get something I could reach out and, and get them a little bit farther than the hole. I don't want them around. In the same way that we should treat, the way we, we shun, just, just a photograph of a snake. Or sometimes you go into these western stores and they got these, these rattlesnakes all stuffed and they're sitting on a shelf and they got their fangs hanging out and, and you just, you're repulsed by a stuffed snake. Just naturally repulsed from it. It's like, whoa, that's ugly. I don't want you go to the, the zoo and you go to the reptile house and you see these, these monstrous snakes in there and you're, you're, you're going through there like this. There's a, certain, there's a certain natural feeling when it comes to the, the snakes with a human. And I think that started in the garden. <laughs> But it's still there, and we should treat wine, and we should treat alcohol the same way. We should be repulsed from it. We should, we should just say, that's venomous, that's poisonous, that will, that will kill my family. Let's go back to our text. 1 Corinthians 5.10 Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you, this is in the new letter, not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. Okay, so that's in the church. That's somebody that has made a profession. That's somebody that's been baptized and put into the, into the church membership of the church. So this stuff can still creep into people's lives that have made a profession, that have been born again. And what are these? So a brother, not to keep company, 
If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator a, or covetous or, a, or an idolater or a railer or, here's the key word, or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one not to eat. So it can creep into the church among church members. And it could be, I won't say, well, they can Verse number 12, for what, what have I to do, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? And there's a question mark there. Do not ye judge them that are within? There's a question mark. And that's talking about that church discipline. How that we as a church would discipline those that had fallen into any of those categories, and drunkenness is one of them. And that's within. Who's going to judge the ones that are without? Verse number 13. But them that are without, the ones that are not a church member, the ones that are not born again. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Again, he's talking to the church about putting away the ones that are within that falls into that, but and the, the church is not going to judge the ones that are without. They're not going to judge the church, the, the people that are not church members. God's going to judge them. And like he, he said it today, as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment, God is going to judge all of us. Those that are within the church... At the judgment seat of Christ and those that are without the church at the great white throne judgment. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9. Now, this is a list of folks that ain't going. Unless you're born again. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not, N-O-T, inherit the kingdom of God. If you're unrighteous, you're not going to get into the kingdom of God. And then he gives a list here of who that unrighteous is. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, for those of in here that might be saying, oh, no, 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 you, you look at you, you're, you're saying that you're better than me because you, you're the pastor of the church, you're saying that you're better than me because you go to the church all the time. No, 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 because guess what? And I said, <laughs> there's people that could raise their hands in here that were some of those. Verse number 11, and such were. Whoop, hallelujah. That's past tense. We can stand and give testimony. We're not going to glorify sin. We would, we're going to keep from standing and glorifying sin like Brother Glenn has said in his testimony, there's some things that only him and God knows about. Amen. 
And I think there's a lot of us that can say that. And it stays that way. And thank God if they're under the blood, he's done for God. So it's only us that knows about them. Hallelujah. He's for, but, that, but that's old flesh that keeps from bringing them back up and says, remember what you were and remember what you did. How can you be saved? Now, that's the accuser of the brethren that does that. They're under the blood. We're washed. Such were some of you. We were those things. We were idolaters. We were railers. We we, were fighting all the time. We were covetous. We were drunkards. Such were some of you, but you're washed. Hallelujah. And I think Brother Glenn, even in his Sunday school time, talked about being washed and and being born again. And, And... I got my, did I tell you I got a new grandson? <laughs> so as we're looking at this little baby here, and I get to go see him next week, as we're looking at this little bitty baby, and we go to, to John chapter number 3, when he tells a religious man, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus says, I don't understand all that. Can a man, fully grown, fully developed, be put back into his mother's womb and be born again? That didn't make no sense to the natural man. And then, and then Jesus basically went on to say, you have to be born, that was born of the flesh is flesh, and that was born of the spirit is spirit. And that spiritual birth, that happens. And when that spiritual birth takes place, just like the physical birth that took place last week with my grandson, he comes out and he's innocent. He comes out and he's pure. He comes out and he's not been tainted by the world. He comes out and he's, and that's such worsome of you, but now you're washed. You're born again. You're clean from all those sins. You don't have those, that little baby don't have desires of, of the opposite sex. That little baby don't have desires of anything that he's not been introduced to, i.e. alcohol or, or you know, sex or drugs or any of the other things. He's pure. He doesn't have any of those desires. He just desires the sincere milk of mama. Like new Christians should desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. That's why I have a a little issue, a little problem. Look, I think if you made a profession, I I feel different. You're not saved on feelings, although you should feel different when you are saved. But you're not saved on feelings. But but when you are saved, you should have, like I testified uh, a few Sundays ago, you should have that desire to come around the Word of God. Yes. Look, this baby, you don't have to tell this baby when he's hungry. He's going to let you know when he's hungry. He don't know nothing except, I'm hungry, and he'll wake up and he'll eat. <clears throat> and you put the nipple in the mouth, and then he drinks the milk, and guess what? He goes to sleep again. He might have to need a diaper change, but he goes to sleep again, and he'll wake up when he's hungry again. And that's, that's his whole desire right now is sleep and eat. You know, and that should be the desire of the saints of God, especially newborn saints. 
is to rest. To rest from the deliverance of your sin. To know that you're not... You're not having those contentions anymore to know that you don't have those wounds without cause anymore to know that you, you just you rest in Jesus. There, the old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything is just different in life. I don't, I'm not drawn to those desires, those sinful desires that I've been drawn to in the past. I've been washed. I've been made new. I've been born again. So I can rest in that. Hallelujah. And then not only resting in that, in that knowledge that you've been born again, but then then desiring the Word of God. Desiring that milk. And when people make a profession and don't show up, or show up for a little while, hit and miss, it puts a question in my mind. Are they really born again? But such were some of you, but ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. That little baby comes out. They wash him. They sanctify him. They cleanse him. They put the good smelling stuff on him. You know, all that baby stuff. Powdering, sanctifying, sanctified, you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. John chapter 3, I've done hit this a little bit, but... You know, let me go ahead and get this one. You go ahead and turn to John chapter 3. I'm going to read, and I'll be right there. And I've, I've kind of alluded to it, but I want... Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Colon. He explains the new creature beyond the colon. Old things are passed away. You don't have the desire for the bottle. You don't have the desire for extramarital affairs. You don't have the desire for drugs. You don't have the desire for those things in your life. Old things are passed away. Those old desires are passed away. The old friends. (laughs) The old places. I know a man that was saved on the bar stool. No, rewind. He was saved. I'm trying to think. Did he get saved on the bar stool? But I think I've told you about him before he's dead in heaven now. But he, he just had that routine. I've got my routines. I don't like totally get out of whack when I'm my routine's messed up like some people do, but anyway. He had a routine. He'd get off of work every day. Every day he'd go to the same local watering hole. He had the same place at the bar he sat. He ordered the same thing every single day of his life. He'd drink two or three. He'd go home, go to his bedroom, go to sleep, get up. The next day, the same thing. 
but he got saved. And, it, and when he comes down, he gets saved, and just out of habit, he goes down the road toward the watering hole. And the Holy Spirit says, you don't need this place no more. And, and his habits changed. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He had new desires. He actually moved. He was looking for a church. He heard the radio station. He moved 45 miles. Picked up his house and moved. So he could be, he actually drove 45 miles every Sunday for a while. And then he moved so he could join Island Ford. He actually moved, moved his and got a different job and so on and so forth. Let's just read. I know I've alluded to this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This was a religious man. This was not the drunkard. This was not the fornicator. This was not the adulterer. This was not the murderer. This was a religious man. Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus didn't even address anything that he just said. He just said, except, he said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we done talked about this. Who's, who is that that's not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, thieves, covetous, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of them are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. And this was, a, this was a religious man. And he said, except thou be born again. Now, did he have some of that in his life? I don't know. He was still a ruler in, in the Pharisees, except a man be born again. He, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto them, how can a man be born when he is old? And he entered a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, while we're there, that water is not this water up here. My, my son, this is his first, and he's so funny. This is his first biological child. Just like a lot of like first-time parents, you know, I mean, he gives you the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> I mean, so many pictures, a gazillion pictures already been taken, you know, and shared with everybody. But he was giving us a play-by-play. -play. You know, she's, you know, they're, uh, they're doing this to her. They're doing that. And then finally, they broke her water. Not this water. The water they're talking about is that birth. When you, the water that you're in, you have to be born physically first. And then you have to be born spiritually. Not this water. This water here does absolutely nothing. If I, if I put you in this water, it's not going to make you stop cussing. If I put you in this water, it's not going to make you stop drinking. You go down a wet center and up a... I mean, dry center and go up a wet center. That's all that... All this water does, well, two things, I think. One, it, it, is, is, is the, it is the outward testimony to those around you that you have made a profession of faith 
in Jesus Christ, that you have put your faith unto salvation in Christ, and then that you are going to walk in newness of life. You're going to be buried with him as he was buried, and you're going to be resurrected with him as he was resurrected, and on this side of the burial, you're going to walk differently. And that's a testimony to that. And I think secondly, that is the avenue of church membership. That's the way I've been taught. That's what puts you into the local body of believers. And as a local body of believers, up here in the first one, it says, we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on the profession of our faith, comma, having been baptized. Profession of our faith comes first. You have to believe. In that same passage in John chapter 3, he's talking about being born again. He's still talking to Nicodemus when he gets to verse 16. Look, that is, again, our testimony and what puts you in our church membership. But that don't put you in the family of God. What puts you in the family of God is salvation by the new birth. And it's by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. He paid the price. If you had a large bill that you owed to somebody, the bank, and they call you up and say, Mr. So-and-so, we've had somebody come and pay off your indebtedness. All you have to do is come down and sign your part of the papers and your debt is taken care of. And you said, I I don't believe it. That can't happen to me. And you stay at home and you continue to make your payments to the bank. Why? All you got to do is go down and sign your name to the contract, which is stating the fact that I believe that this other person has taken my debt. Wiped it all clean if I'll sign my name to the contract. I put my faith in that contract. I put my faith in what was done for me. But so many people don't get that. When we stand up and tell you that Jesus paid your price for your sin, he's wiped them all away. He'll make you justified. He'll wash you. He'll make you purified and sanctified and justified, all that we just read about. And all you got to do is believe. That's too hard to believe. I just can't believe it. Why would he do that for me? And there, there's a lot of folks that we would say, and there's a lot of times that still testify. And for those of us who have believed, we still question, how, why, why would you do that for me, Lord? I was a wicked sinner. It goes back to John 3, 16. For God so L-O-V-E-D, loved the world. Not that we, uh, not that we deserved it. He just loves us. And he did that for us. But salvation comes before baptism. Baptism is not going to do nothing. There's a lot of churches that will preach. You come and be baptized and you wash your sins away. No, that don't happen that way. There ain't no sins in the water. It's just an example. Huh? <laughs> but they're washed in the new birth. 
You're delivered from your sins in the new birth. He that which is born of flesh is flesh. He that is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whether, whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Brother Durham sent me a little message this morning, just again encouragement, saying he was praying for us, praying for me. He said that they was doing some work at the church house yesterday and said that the wind would suck that church door open. I couldn't see the wind. Might happen at your house. You open a few windows and it, op- it opens one of your doors or slams one up. Wham! What in the world is that? Oh, that was the wind. Well, I didn't see the wind. Can't see the wind, but I can hear the wind. I see the effects of the wind. I can feel the effects of the wind. If I stepped outside and it, the wind was blowing, I could feel the effects. Whether... Those of you who have hair, your hair would be blown all over the place, or just it was strong enough. The other, when I was mowing, <laughs> I've got a picture. You should see my face. It was I had a hat on, but from here down I was brown. I had brown in my ears and brown in my nostrils and brown in my eyes because the dust went this way, but the wind went. Poof. That looks like some of them cartoons we know that was that backfired that soot. Out of the chimney, I was just looking like that. Sent it to Lisa. I said, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> but the wind, I've seen the effects of the wind. And that's the way that it is with salvation. When he talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit tugging that door open, the Holy Spirit does the same thing to your heart. It pulls on your heart. Yeah. You, 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 you just, the Holy Spirit takes the preaching to your ears and takes it from your ears and says, He's telling you right. You're the sinner. You're the one that needs to be delivered from the wine. You're the one that needs to be delivered from the other sins in your life. I've paid the price. Jesus paid the price. The Holy Spirit is going to point you to Jesus. You need to believe in him. He's telling you the truth. You feel condemned. The Holy Spirit, like a judge, will put his finger on your sin and you'll feel miserable. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? There's a question in a lot of people's hearts and minds. They don't understand it. Nicodemus didn't understand it. He was a religious leader. Jesus answered and said, he asked him, How how, art thou a master in Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye have received not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So Jesus come down from heaven. He's God incarnate. He was able to speak to all those things because he's God. Verse number 
14, and as Moses lifted up, this is something that Nicodemus would understand, being the religious leader, because in the Old Testament, and when they were in the wilderness, we're back to those serpents again. Those serpents would come out, and they was biting everybody, and people was dying. And they went to Moses, and they said, Moses, we need deliverance. And Moses went to God and says, God, what do I do? And he says, I want you to make a a brass, a brazen serpent. I want you to make an image of a serpent. I want you to put it on a staff and I want you to hold it up and tell everybody that looks upon that serpent will be healed. You know what? There were some that did that and they were healed and some that didn't and they wasn't. And they died. And, there's, and so it says, even as, the son, uh, uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was lifted up on the cross of Calvary. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we lift up Jesus. We point to the cross. We say, he died for your sins. Can't believe it. That's just too hard to believe. How how can these things be? And you don't understand it, and you don't understand, but the Holy Spirit is saying, He's telling you right, He's telling you right, He's telling you right. And if you're just that's what faith is. Faith is just the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is taking a leap, a step into total darkness. You can't see nothing. But you're just trusting Jesus Christ to save your soul. You're trusting in the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. And he was buried, and on the third day he raised according on the third day he raised up according to the scripture. And you put your faith in what he did on the cross for your sins, and that's where salvation takes place. Will you do that today? Have you been bitten by that serpent and the adder of strong drink wine? Are you not wise because you've given yourself to wine? Is, is wine mocking at you? Do you have woe? Do you have sorrow, contentions, babbling? Were wounds without cause and redness of eyes? Could be that you've been bitten by that sin in your life. And if it's not wine, it could be any of those other things. Idolatry, covetousness, fornication, adultery. I don't know. This is one of them. And the list was all in there. You're not going unless you're born again. But such were some of you. The rest of us in here can stand and testify. We had those things in our life, but we were delivered. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you, drawing you, telling you that the gospel message is right, pointing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, may today be the day that you come and get saved as we have a song of invitation.